Welcome to Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne. I'm Kim. And I'm Joanne. So today we are going to discuss a topic if by now you guys did not realize is near and dear to us. Right, Kim? Right. We love to bring awareness to issues that are found in our communities, especially when it has to do with food, where fresh and healthy foods that should be easily accessible are not. So if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about food deserts, food apartheids, food swamps, food mirages. So these terms are basically one and the same thing to describe different degrees of food injustice. So today we have someone on the podcast who is very, very passionate about food injustice in general. Sonia Overheiser is an author of an award-winning food blog called A Couple Eats. And she is also the writer of the acclaimed cookbook, Pretty Simple Cooking. Together with her husband, Alex, the two are leading voices on plant-based eating and authors of a recipe series for Washington Post food called Voraciously Plant-Powered. They are featured everywhere from the Today Show to Bon Appetit. Sonia is passionate about healthy eating and food justice and seeks to make the world a better place one bite at a time. Welcome to our podcast, Sonia. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. We are happy to have you. So we're going to jump right in here and start asking you these questions so that the people can understand a little bit more what food justice is. Why don't you define food justice for us? Sure. So The definition that you may have heard before is the right of all people to access healthy food. Um, And that is kind of a, a, it's becoming more and more of a buzzword today, food justice. But um, to me, it also includes the, the treatment and living wages for people who grow the food, people who cook your food, transport it, sell your food. Um, So it extends beyond just the eater to everyone who's involved in our food system. Mm, Okay. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, You know, I have heard a a little bit about it online and on social media. So I guess it is becoming more of a a buzz topic for everyone, especially since, you know, there's a lot of food deserts in certain areas um, in the South where I live in. So I I hear that, you know, topic a lot. Yeah. And then something else that I wanted to ask you as well, Sonia. So, you know, As you said, it's a buzzword, but I don't think a lot of people realize that it's important for them. So my question is kind of like a two-part question. Like the first part is, why is food justice such an important topic for everyone? And secondly, why do you think it's especially important now in the climate that we're living in? So to me, food justice is the only way for us to have thriving and healthy communities. Um, and if you just look at your, your own city, like for example, my city of Indianapolis, we have 22% of people live in a food desert. Wow. So it is some, something that affects almost every city, um, at least in the U.S. So, um, and not having access to healthy food, as you both know and talk about all the time on your podcast, is something that is, I mean... The, a huge impact on your overall quality of life and your ability to just be a healthy person. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's everything. Food is life, right? So if we care about human lives, mm-hmm. um, we care about food justice. 
Right, exactly. And I think in this climate of like the coronavirus, I was telling Joanne the other week that, you know, people I heard um, Como say that, you know, there's no one or was it Bill de Blasio? I can't recall. But (laughs) they were saying in New York, he was saying that, you know, no one is going to go hungry during this climate. Like we're going to ensure that everyone is being fed. And I was telling Joanne, I live in Central Florida And about 40 minutes from me is a farm, well, many farms in Pahokee, Florida. And I didn't even realize that they supply the majority of vegetables for the United States. And like these farms are being destroyed because of the current climate we're living in. Restaurants are not really accepting as much as they used to. Schools are being closed. So I'm just thinking to myself, like, you know, there's so much great disparity between, you know, who can afford to eat healthy and who can't. So that is very important. And I'm glad that, you know, you brought that up, that food is life. I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, it's insane. The the current climate that we're in, I, um, part of my passion for food justice kind of gets to be channeled through an organization that I started called Indie Women in Food. Um, And it's a group of women working in the food industry here in my city of Indianapolis. Um, And I co-founded it with a friend of mine who works in hospitality. And um, so many of our women are just completely on hold um, with their lives right now. And I mean, it's one thing to, you know, hear about the restaurant industry and, and farms who are not working, but to know some of these people and have them be really close and dear personal friends. It's just, it's so heartbreaking. And um, yeah, our city is working nonstop to try to get food to people um, through different channels now that schools are closed and that um, that restaurants are closed. But it's just it's just so mind boggling. Um, we know that people are going hungry still in this climate, um, even yeah, though girl. all of us are trying so hard to feed our city. And, you know, that's so true. You know, speaking of Central Florida, I don't I live in Georgia, um, Sonia. And um, I don't know exactly what's going on here, but my family, my mom, she lives in Florida and she sent me something last night in regards to the SNAP program providing or removing, you know, any of the restrictions or requirements that they had for people to qualify to receive um, food uh, or food stamps, I guess. They're not stamps anymore, but. I believe now it's available to anyone to apply. And mm-hmm. that's a great thing. I, I you know, I, in my eyes, especially for the people who have lost their jobs, who are not having access to funds to be able to buy food to feed their family, you know? So this situation that, that we're in right now, I, I'm hoping that um, other states around the nation are doing, you know, something similar to what central Florida or Florida is doing. Right. Yeah, that's a great thing to research and figure out um, if your city or state are doing anything um, with that. And that's something I'm going to check into myself. Right. We've heard, you know, of food mirages, food swamps, food deserts, food apartheids. And I'm going to go into them a little bit for people who don't know what they are. So food mirages are where there are plenty of grocery stores, but the prices within those grocery stores are you know, quite expensive for any kind of low income family to be able to afford. Food swamps are where the amount of fast food stores and convenience stores and 
liquor stores are they basically outnumber any kind of healthy food stores that may be available. And you guys are most likely have heard of food deserts, which is where access to the affordable healthy food option is limited or non-existent. So that's kind of similar to food swamps. And then where food apartheid, um, what food apartheid is, is where the lack of healthy food options affect communities of color more so than any others. So with that being said, Sonia, how do you think all of the um, the previous that I stated impact food justice? Yeah, I think all of them are combined into food justice. So food justice is kind of just that umbrella term that yes. encompasses all of them. And I, I love that you touched on all of those different terms. And I think that different types of people use different terms. Um, mm-hmm. Like the USDA has been using food desert for a while to try to define um, food justice and mm. um, the lack of access to food. I think food swamp is becoming a little more popular, but then there are some people who don't really like the use of the term um, for various reasons, but also because swamps are actually a really good part of the ecosystem. Um, right. So they don't, you know, talk bad about swamps. Um, and I think food mirage is maybe not as well known, but it's really important and a, a really good distinction to hear. Um, and I think food apartheid is the most important one to think about. And I think that has become is starting to become more popular way to talk about what's happening because it talks about really what the the major problem is, which is um, systemic racism and disproportionate effects on communities of color. Um, with food justice. It's just, it's not, it's not a theory. It's a fact. Right. Wow. I love that. I love that Sonia a lot. You know, the systemic racism. I mean, that was my, my word for the weekend, everything that happened. I'm like, Oh, systemic racism here, systemic racism there. I mean, it's so pervasive in the community. So, you know, John and I, we're people that like to brainstorm with like-minded people like yourself. Mm-hmm. So how can communities or individuals create a more food just system? I know you hit the nail on the head earlier when you were speaking about what you did for your community. I am so for that. Yeah, so I wish it could be a really simple answer like, well, go out and do X, Y, and Z, and then you're, then the food deserts will be gone or the food apartheid will just disappear. Right, and right. It's such a complex problem. Um, and it's, it reaches into so many places in society and um, it's just totally overwhelming. Um, but I've thought of a few different things that people can do. Um, I'm not like a professional in food justice. Um, I'm not a professional advocate or anything, but I'm just a person who became really passionate about it. And I think mm-hmm. that, that everyone can start to do their research and learn about what food justice is and then start to become more active in their communities. Um, So I have four steps for you guys, um, for your listeners. Um, So first off is research. So I think find those people who are doing great things in your community. Um, And for me, I've heard before, like I'm one of those people who sit around at night, like thinking about these world problems or national problems. And I get really (laughs) sad Mm -hmm. and I want to help and I want to do something, but they seem so big. And so I've, I've heard often, you know, the best thing to do is start local. And so I feel like for me, that's been um, a cool way to start is just start in my city. Um, a lot of what I do professionally is more on a national level, but um, having that 
home base and a place where I can kind of explore what's happening right around me, what's happening to my neighbors, who, what are the community centers who are feeding my community, who are the women who are starting these amazing organizations to feed people or to empower youth. Um, There are so many amazing people in our, our city and I've made it my job to, to particularly look into the women doing this great work, which there are so many, um, but it, it takes time to dig around and figure yeah. out who these people are. So um, I would say first off research. And then I think probably the biggest one after you're researching is listen. And mm-hmm. I think that um, I recently had um, helped to host an event through my Indie Women in Food group related to food justice and every person on the panel says, listen to the community, listen to what the needs are of the community. So often people feel like they can come in and have a solution. um, But most often it's the community that knows what they need and knows what they don't need. So I think just sitting back and doing a lot of listening and asking um, is is really the key. Um, In that panel discussion that I mentioned, Um, Several people said that this is not a one size fits all solution. There will be many solutions. And so so learning from your community members who are already doing great work is really important. Um, And then the last two are kind of similar, um, but serve. Um, So figure out these great people, listen to them and then um, come alongside them in their missions and figure out a way to serve. Um, we have a great organization here in Indianapolis called the Potashu Foundation that is feeding kids all over the city um, it, who live in food insecure homes. And so um, instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, I said, OK, I'm just going to start volunteering with them or um, getting to know someone who runs a food pantry and figuring out what their needs are or someone who's running a youth empowerment program to try to really start um provide solutions of where the problem starts versus um, how it manifests. Um, all those things are good once you're, you really have listened, taken the time to listen and, and see who's doing good work in your city. Um, and then the last one is, is give. So give of your time, give of your resources, um, and also just su- support policies that are making your community better. A lot of this is related to politics. Um, mm. And so just being um, aware of these decisions that are being made on a very local level that affect your community. Um, that's something I am trying hard to get better at for this next year, like paying more attention to the the local politics that are affecting um, food deserts. So um, there are a lot, a lot of things that you can do, but again, it's not, a, I don't have an answer for you, the specific listener. Um, in a specific city, but I can say that um, that having education around the issue and starting to have a passion and then researching about it is the best way to um, make a difference in your community. Nice. And I think, yeah. you know, we probably should have started asking you this, like it just dawned on me. How did you find an interest in like food justice? Because like, you know, when you see your Instagram, it's like perfectly curated with these beautiful pictures of food. And I'm just saying to myself, oh my gosh, Sonia, you just need to come and just live with me in Florida and cook for me. <laughs> but <laughs> how did you become interested in the first place with food justice? Yeah. So like I said, I believe that food is life. And I I originally got into food because I love people. Mm-hmm. I just love connecting with people and 
the reason that um, Alex and I, my husband, mm -hmm. um, what we do today, we run a food blog called A Couple Cooks. And um, we did not know how to cook at all. Mm -hmm. um, we wanted to have people over for dinner and we literally were making Hot Pockets and breakfast cereal. And we we're mm -hmm. like, I have no idea what to do to serve to people. That's not like a, a college boy type um, mm -hmm. food. So we decided to start learning to cook. And so we um, just got a bunch of cookbooks and mm -hmm. um hung out with people who like to cook and watch cooking shows and um, started reading food blogs. This was back in the day when food blogs were really starting. Um, and we just fell in love with food. And what we love about food is that it brings people together and it can cross so many differences that there can, you know, having people around the table and sharing the same meal can really create a sense of trust and understanding yep. and span um, so many different um, things you might feel uh, you have that are differences between people can be overcome by food. And so um, as we started to learn more and more, we started to um, get more involved in our community and shop at farmers markets and meet people who grew the food and um, just really see the backstory that food isn't mm -hmm. just this piece of something on a shelf. Like there is a whole life behind it. Mm -hmm. And um, then we also started becoming really um, interested in the health effects of food and how it can really, it, we were starting to eat healthier and we felt better. And so I think all of that combined, sorry, long story short, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, loving people and wanting for everyone to have this ability to eat food that tastes good, that's healthy, that makes you feel good. Every person should have that right, no matter what they look like or where they come amen, from. Amen, amen. Um, and so I think it was just kind of like a natural part of falling in love with food is falling in love with people and their mm -hmm. ability for them to um, be able to enjoy food in the same way that we do. I like that because, you know, I always say to people that food is so bipartisan. And one of my favorite quotes is actually from Mark Twain. And he said that travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. And I realize, you know, when you're speaking like, oh my gosh, food can be applied to that as well. Food is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, as you stated, you know, the USDA you know, they use the term food desert, but, you know, food swamps, food apartheid, mirages, whatever, you, whatever term you want to call it, whatever blanket statement you want to call it, it does impact people of color. So, you know, definitely for people trying to live within this new normal, having a food just system is very important. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, you know, you said that food brings people together. That is such a true statement. I think since the beginning of time, food has been bringing people together. And especially in the Black community, that's one reason why we love food is because of Sunday dinners and Saturday dinners and you just mm -hmm. family gatherings of having a good time and eating good food. That's something that's like, you know, found in every Black family um, that I know of. So, that is so so true that you say that. Um, thinking about my next question for you, I, you know, Kim knows about this and some of our viewers um, may have seen this on my Instagram. I started a garden this spring 
And it's something I've been trying to do for the last, I don't know, 10 years. You know, I was in grad school and then I started having kids. Something was always coming about. And I really did plan on doing it this year. And um, with everything that has happened with coronavirus, it really made me have the motivation to really go into this and do it. And I don't know what I'm doing. I am I always say I have a black thumb. My parents have a green thumb, but I have a black thumb. And um, and I know I'm not the only one that is thinking about doing a garden because even on my next door app, I will see people who are asking questions about starting their own garden in my area. And even, you know, asking, does anybody know the laws in regards to um, having a chicken coop in the backyard or you know, that kind of stuff. So everyone is trying to think of ways to become more self-sufficient and less dependent because of what's going on. So with that being said, do you think that this new normal that we're living in is going to make it easier for people to be able to grow what they want wherever they live, whether it's in the city, you know, and, you know, you think laws are going to be more flexible as we go forward with the situation? Gosh, I certainly hope so. (laughs) And I love that you said that. I've heard that from a lot of people. And I love that, um, that, I mean, obviously, this is the worst, horrible (laughs) time that's happening right now. But I love that there are that it is spawning people to interest in growing their own food. And also, um, the laws around um, where you can grow food. Um, I know that in our city, we've Um, There's been a lot of change related to that. And I think that, I mean, I really, really hope that that can continue Mm -hmm. um, of people being able to be more self-sufficient. And I will say too, that I'm terrible at it as Mm -hmm. well, but my husband happens to be actually good at it. So um, all of, all the stuff growing in our yard is all due to him. Um, But it's so, it's, great to have a partner. So I would totally recommend if you don't live with someone to find a friend or something. Um, If you want to start growing food, it's so nice to have a a partner in crime. And I say that about like learning to cook too. I mean, the reason I learned to cook was because I had someone who lived in my house and helped me be accountable to that, you know? So it's so helpful to have someone else to figure it out because it's such a challenge um, even though it's also really simple, you know, you just put seeds in the ground and water them, but, right. um, but it, it is, it's a lot more complicated than that. It is a little bit more complicated. <laughs> it is. I mean, I have, I have five partners in crime. I have my husband and my four boys. The well, baby can't really do, work. right. The baby can't do anything, but he can watch and be cute as we try to figure this out. And I have YouTube also, like I've been really just watching all the YouTube videos I can on growing potatoes and all that stuff. And how you can grow things in buckets. You don't even have to go into the ground because that was my fear of snakes. Um, So, I mean, it's out there, the information more so than years before. So if anyone out there is like thinking about it, this is the time to be able to do it because the information is out there for you to learn. You don't even have to go to any class. Yeah, I love that. And I would just say, like, just encourage people just like with learning about food justice, it takes a while, you know, you have to come up to speed of this whole new skill set that we didn't think we needed. We didn't think we would need to be gardening in the year 2020, because of mm-hmm. course, wouldn't you have grocery stores that would provide that? But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it is, it's so thrilling to pull your own vegetables out of the garden and be like, mm-hmm. wow, I grew that. And so I think it also brings you 
um, a sense of pride and a sense of like that your food is special. You know, you don't look the same way at food when you go to the grocery store because you know how much time it took you to grow that dang carrot. <laughs> and you're going to eat that carrot. That carrot is not going to waste. Exactly. It is not going to waste. I started to see little buds yesterday of my carrot, my carrot bucket. And I was like, oh my gosh, look at them starting to grow. And those were from seeds because you can only grow carrots from seeds. Really? If you know that. There's so much that I'm like, what? I didn't know this information. So when I saw my little, every time I see a little uh, change in whatever I'm growing, I get excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, look at my little whatever. It's growing. I see green. <laughs> Right. And, you know, something else that I wanted to add as well, I think, Joanne, you had mentioned to me in Atlanta when people were allowed to go outside that they had like community gardens as well. Yes. So I think, you know, for those people that may be limited in their surroundings that they could, you know, give back to the community and grow gardens too, help with that endeavor so that, you know, communities like the ones we were mentioning earlier will have access to nutrient dense foods. Right. So the, and, and what Sonia was saying in regards to, you know, having somebody to support you, a community garden would be great in that aspect because you wouldn't be doing it alone. Right. You would be getting help and, you know, more, more likely to be successful at what you're doing, really. Exactly. Yeah, I've heard of so many really successful neighborhood projects that not only do they feed people in the community they also just bring people together you know when you have this shared goal of making those little sprouts come up you know like there there are relationships that form over that too so yeah i highly recommend it um checking that out if you live somewhere where you can't garden yourself so sonia let us know how can people find you on social media sure so i am a couple cooks um, so just at a couple cooks, no of, just a couple cooks. <laughs> and um, yeah, we're most active on Instagram. Um, so if you have any questions about any of this, please let me know. Like I said, I'm not an expert. I'm just someone who's super passionate about it. Um, and uh, yeah, our, my day job is writing recipes. So uh, my husband and Alex and I run a food blog um, and we have lots of recipes using healthy foods um, to inspire you and feed you. Um, so yeah, check us out there on Instagram. And then our website is a couplecooks.com. Awesome. Thank you. And then if you guys are interested in the work that Sonia is doing in her community in Indianapolis, it's Indianapolis, right, Sonia? Yeah. Uh, she can be also be found on Instagram, Indie Women in Food. And all this information will be in that description so that you guys can definitely connect with her. But guys, you know, as we heard on the podcast today, food is live. Food is important. So I would really want to challenge and encourage you guys seeing that, you know, we're living in a new normal. This is the new world that we're living in. See how you can get involved in your community, not to only help yourselves and your family members, but maybe your neighbors, maybe there's a homeless individual down the street or someone who is financially strapped and experiencing systemic racism. So definitely get involved for the community. I know there's a lot of dietitians listening out there and guys... Policy, 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 policies change things. Mm -hmm. So Sonia, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We really appreciate you bringing light to this issue. Such a thrill to be here. I love your show. So thanks for doing it. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Bye, everyone. 
Bye.